I said, hey, I want to throw the stick thingy. And he said, well, this is a javelin. And uh, he done took me off the side and said, all right, you know, showed me how to throw it and I threw it. It's not how far you throw the javelin. It's not the success that you have. It's that we get to talk about God and bring people closer to Jesus. And welcome to the Run the Race podcast, where we talk about fitness and faith on a weekly basis. And we all need motivation, maybe to lose weight or get stronger physically or get closer to God as we all seek purpose in life. I'm your host, Jason Dennis, hoping to inspire you to run the race of life as we sit down with fascinating guests, digging deeper into the mind, body, and soul. Let's do this. Dun, 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 Hey, you probably recognize uh, the music, my humming perhaps, uh, as the Olympic theme song, uh, because the Olympics are about to begin um, in uh, Tokyo in uh, just the next day or so, going on for the next several weeks. It's exciting for uh, for viewers and athletes and really the entire world. So uh, welcome to the uh, Run the Race podcast, kind of a Olympic-themed episode here, number 74. And uh, so we have a couple of Olympic athletes uh, that have been training in Alabama on uh, the uh, old pod today. And if you'd like to listen to any of our previous episodes, uh, you can go to WTVM.com slash podcast. All of them are on there along with, uh, you know, on Spotify, Apple, Google Play, Stitcher, all those places you can find it and share with your friends as we talk about fitness and faith on a regular basis. And uh, speaking of that Olympic theme song, I'm going to give you some kind of interesting facts about it as part of our one of our final segments stuck in my head. Because maybe, you know, after my humming, uh, you, perhaps you got it stuck in your head or as you're watching the Olympics in the next few weeks and all the track and field athletes and swimmers and basketball and softball. So uh, some uh, really exciting stuff. I'm looking forward to all the athletes. And speaking of those, uh, we have two uh, that I interviewed and chatted with this week uh, that you know, you're going to hear some great inspiration from in the next uh, few minutes. Uh, they're, they both throw the javelin. So that's a very interesting sport, uh, part of track and field. Uh, one of them uh, says, uh, you know, when he started uh, years ago, he called it the uh, throwing the stick thingy. So uh, now uh, he is an Olympian, Curtis Thompson, uh, who graduated from Mississippi State in 2018. He is from New Jersey originally, but he's been living and training in Birmingham, Alabama. Uh, in the Olympic trials, he won the javelin throw with a 271-7. That's 82.78 meters, and it's uh, taken him to Tokyo. Uh, he was first in the javelin in the under-16 championships in 2016. Now 25 years old, uh, he you know was a, was a star at Mississippi State, and now uh, he is headed to Tokyo in the Olympics in the javelin, one of the top 32 in the entire world world. Uh, he's also currently an assistant track coach with a javelin and other things uh, at Spain Park High School in Central Alabama. Now, he narrowly missed out on the 2016 games in Rio after his throw was just a five inches short, so close of the Olympic standard. And uh, so this is, you know, this is first time for him throwing over 80 meters. Uh, it's been really an emotional roller coaster for him uh, after, you know, getting injured in 2017, redshirted at Mississippi State in 2018, and all those obstacles now leading to him uh, going to the Olympics. Uh, so you're going to hear my conversation in just a little bit with uh, Curtis Thompson. And also a fellow Team USA javelin thrower who you're going to hear from now, 27-year-old two-time Olympian Maggie Malone, who grew up 
in Nebraska. She actually set a new U.S. women's javelin record just over this past weekend with 221 feet and one inch. Um, and uh, she, both her parents were, were coaches. And uh, we talk about how she's dealt with some injuries of her own as well. And uh, in 2016, uh, she placed 25th in the Rio Olympic Games in the javelin and uh, was kind of disappointed in that and went into kind of a a tailspin in terms of, um, you know, uh, mental health and uh, uh, issues with walking away from the sport and upset about things. But now, obviously, she's back in and going back to the Olympics, this time in Tokyo. She ran, first of all, track at the University of Nebraska before transferring to Texas a&M, where in 2016, she became the first female javelin thrower to win an NCAA title and a U.S. Olympic team trials title in the same season. And uh, for her, her faith in Jesus, her faith in Christ is her is the most important thing in her life. Uh, she really, for her, it's all about giving him glory uh, more so than, uh, you know, her doing well in the javelin. You know, she's just wanting to do what God wants her to do, follow his will. And uh, she has a background in athletics. But again, her faith is paramount to her life, her javelin throwing, and, and what she's going to be doing in Tokyo in the next few weeks. So here's my conversation, uh, first of all, before we get to Curtis, with Maggie Malone. I'd like to welcome Maggie Malone to the podcast. Thank you so much, Maggie, for joining us from uh, Birmingham, Alabama. Yeah, thank you, Jason. Super excited to chat with you. Absolutely. Yeah. And we're going to talk about, you know, fitness and, and faith and, and your career and training in Alabama. Um, but first, uh, I wanted to, uh, I hear you just recently broke the new uh, women's javelin record, 221 <laughs> feet and one inch. That one inch is important, right? <laughs> I guess it's important. <laughs> yeah. I, uh, it, it was so surprising. Yeah. Broke it on Saturday. I had broken it in May. So that was the first time I'd gotten the American record and was not, you know, going into this meet on Saturday thinking that I could break it again, just was like, all right, God, like, you know, I just want to do the best I can. This is kind of a tune-up meet. Um, but just as the season has been, he ceases to break every, you know, expectation that I have brought into the season. So it's it's just been a funny and also um, just a really, uh, you know, I'm really grateful for what this season's been so far. Yeah, and I know there's been a big buildup. You know, we had a delay because of COVID, and now we're the, yes. the 2021 <laughs> Olympics, and you're leaving this weekend for Tokyo. So, what are yeah. your expectations? Are you do you go in trying to be relaxed, or do you go in saying I'm gonna just you know try to you know kind of uh, mm-hmm. do you know better than I've ever done before? Or? Yeah. Uh, so, you know, I work with a mental coach and named Taylor Brown. He uh, has a company called Enduro Mind. So we've worked a lot this year on just having no expectation. Uh, so when you have expectations in a lot of things, it's going to, you know, really put a lot of pressure on you. And I want to go into this, like you said, relaxed and, you know, being very present and focused and, uh, you know, definitely with the intent to do the best that I can, but no expectation because, you know, the day could be really crazy. It could, you know, things could change because of COVID, um, you know, you don't know what to expect. So uh, I just want to go in and do the best that I can. And at the end of the day, just give the glory to God and say, God, you know, hopefully I, I did your will today. Yeah. And so for, for you, you know, um, you know, we talk on this on this uh, podcast about fitness, but also about a lot of faith things and a lot of athletes. There's some there's obviously cross connection. So for you, you know, how does God how does your faith fit into your javelin throwing in your Olympic career? Yeah, I so I think it's almost the other way. It's like javelin <laughs> is uh, a part of my faith. 
Um, and it's, it's, you know, the faith is the core piece faith is the, the number one thing in my life. And I just feel like this is kind of a, you know, I I'm a vessel. I think I put that on my Instagram for, um, what God wants. And so I really just want, um, I, I guess I really just want the rest of the season to be reflected as that. I said this to someone earlier where I said, um, you know, this is, I don't want this season to be about me. I want this to be about what God has done and I want it to be about him. So regardless if I get first or if I'm last in the Olympics, like I want it to be a reflection of like who God is and what he wants. And so faith is definitely a huge part of it. It is, um, the only reason, um, you know, why I am here and why I am on this earth. And, and if I can just do God's will and his, his purpose out for me, then, then that's what I'm here for. And do you, and do you find that, that, you know, being open about your faith, because some people, you know, don't talk about it yeah. or, or, the, you know, they, they're focused on, uh, you know, the, the numbers and, and winning mm-hmm. and that kind of thing. Do you think that that, do, do, what kind of feedback have you gotten about that? Are, are people really kind of you know, really inspired and they're, they were like, they're maybe they, uh, it's a witness mm-hmm. to them as well. Right. Yeah. Uh, it's so funny. I, have had people say that to me. And I guess I just have lived around people who are so open with their faith and have been mentors to me and and talk about it, that it's so normal to me to talk about your faith. Um, But I definitely have had other athletes say to me, you know, man, you're just such an inspiration. Like you talk about God all the time and like, you know, just seeing what you've done and who you give the glory to. And I guess I just don't think about it like that. And if it is an inspiration, then that's, that's great. And I hope that it just serves as an encouragement or an example of how they can do it in their life also. Um, So that that's great if it's an encouragement. Um, But beyond that, you know, I did had have someone say to me at the trials, um, as I was doing an interview, she stopped at the end of it and said, Hey, she said, this is your ministry. And I don't know if anybody has told you that before, but she said, Javelin is your ministry. You're meant to do this. You're meant to talk about Jesus and talk about God. And, and the reason she said that is because I, I said that in my interview, I wanted the whole, um, I took a second. I said, Hey, on the microphone in Eugene, Oregon, I just said, I want to give God the shout out right now. So if everybody can give it up for God and the whole stadium just started erupting and clapping and um, at the end of that, she, that's when she said, hey, this is your ministry. You have to keep doing this um, because this is the purpose of, of what you're doing. It's not how far you throw the javelin. It's not the success that you have. It's that we get to talk about God and bring people closer to Jesus. Um, so, so that's been kind of something that has stuck with me since, since that moment. So you, that means you're going to have to keep throwing the javelin until you're like 60 or I 70 guess. years old. <laughs> something like I that. Guess. So, <laughs> I always say it's such a weird, such a weird <laughs> gift to give someone, but I'm like, all right, God, like if this is my gift, I'll take it. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Yeah. It's like David and Goliath, you know, the javelin instead. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. Um, yeah. And, and, you know, and for people listening, you know, some people, you know, whether, you know, maybe they're, they're Christians or they're not. And uh, maybe they have doubts about their career or what they're doing. And they're saying, yeah, yeah. and maybe they're, they're thinking, okay, God, is this what you want me to do? Is this the way, or is this just me wanting this? So have you had your doubts mm-hmm. about that with, with your Olympic career with Javelin? Because I hear you years ago gave up the sport, right? Yeah. Yeah, no, I absolutely did. I, um, <clears throat> you know, I went through a really hard time after 2016 and went through a lot of injuries and mental health and, um, you know, a lot of stuff, identity issues, body issues, everything that you can think of. And I definitely was not in the word. Um, I was in a rebellion state against God. And uh, it's hard to think about now. I'm like, gosh, darn it, Maggie. But like, I have so much compassion for you at that time. And 
So I think for me, what I would say is um, there's going to be doubts. There's always going to be doubts for me. I was, I was never going to come back to the sport. I was ready to hang it up. I had those conversations with people where I was like, I'm done. I'm not doing this anymore. Um, and I would just say, you know, you can't base your decisions off of emotion. Number one, uh, a pastor that I really love, Jonathan Pakluda, he, um, he says a lot, he says, uh, your feelings are real, but they're not always true or like, they're mm. not always reality. Um, and I, and there's some, something similar to that. And I really love that because a lot of times we, we base a lot of our decisions off of feeling, Oh, I feel like I should do this, or I feel like I should do that. Um, but when you're not in the word, then the feeling could be anything. But when you're reading and constantly praising God and asking God and seeking wisdom and, and also seeking counsel from people who are walking in faith, then I think it's easier to make those decisions and, and decide, should I transition right now? Or should I stop this thing? Or should I, you know, be with this person, whatever, you know, the decision is um, when you're, when you have those pillars in your life, it's a lot easier to um, make those decisions and be, um, I guess just be rooted in knowing that, okay, God, not my will, but thy will. And I hope that I'm doing thy will. Yeah. Well, you're definitely an inspiration for folks, you know, in, in terms of the physical, the fitness aspect of it. So tell us about the training because, you know, obviously it's years, it's years and years that builds up to this. And, and, and I, I yeah. mean, I've never thrown a javelin in my life and maybe a lot of people listening have, have not. So tell us about, um, you know, uh, what is the training that goes into that? Is it a lot of weightlifting? Is it just a lot of practicing the, the your your form? Mm -hmm. or? Yeah, it's a combination of it all. So uh, javelin is one of the most unique sports where you can't be too strong because you'll lose flexibility. And mm. you can't be too flexible or uh, I guess you can't put too much emphasis on just the stretching piece without putting emphasis on the strength. So everything is in balance. Whereas like if you're a shot putter, yeah, you're going to be putting on the weight. You're going to be in the weight room a lot. You can get strong. It's power. With javelin, you need to be fast. You need to be uh, rhythmic. You need to be strong. You need to be flexible. Uh, and you need to have the technique. So it's a lot of combination. Uh, what my training has looked like, I work with a strength coach out in Arizona. Uh, his name is Malcolm William with Source Performance. He is phenomenal. Here's why he's phenomenal. All right. He, his belief is that every athlete is different and you need individualized training programs for your athlete to be successful. And a lot of times in the collegiate system, um, it, and what people think is that, oh, I have one group of javelin throwers. Everybody's going to be doing the same thing. No, everyone is different and everyone has strengths and is wired different. I mean, even the, this is biblical. Everyone has strengths and weaknesses and they are literally wired differently. And, and so to be able to address those needs individually is actually what serves the athlete greater long term. So I've been doing individualized training with Malcolm. Um, I lift in the morning. I train in the evening. Um, I work in between at Wild Spark. <laughs> so uh, it's a lot. And then, you know, gymnastics on Wednesdays, yoga, um, meditation. So there's a lot that goes into it. Absolutely. And, you know, you're talking about yoga and, and some of the maybe uh, relaxation or mental aspects of it as yeah. well, because obviously you want to be flexible. You want to be strong. You want to be experienced. But what about the, the mental aspect of it? Because that can apply to just life in general. But as an yeah. Olympic athlete, um, you know, where would you put the percentage in terms of the, the, the mental aspect of it? Um, man, it is. I, I mean, I don't even know if I can put a percentage on it because I think 100 <laughs> percent needs to be mental. Um, but I think even what you just said, flexible, strong, 
uh, and I can't remember the last one you said, but all of those are also characteristics uh, characteristics of your mental uh, capacity as well. Yeah. You need to be mentally flexible. You need to be strong. There are a lot of areas mentally that you can sharpen and work on. And so, yeah, I do meditation. I thought it was very strange when I started. I was like, this is the weirdest thing I've ever seen in my life. Um, but it's amazing and I love it. It helps me stay present. Uh, and so the, the, the mental pieces is a lot because I've definitely been in situations where I'm physically ready, but my mental capacity wasn't there. So 2016 is an example of that. I was physically ready to throw well, but I think the mental piece just wasn't um, where I'm at now. And that resulted in, you know, the performance that I had. So, and nothing against that. I just, you know, you don't know what you don't know. And I didn't know what that looked like at the time. So there's just a lot of mental work that I think goes into anything in life. Yeah. And I know, you know, obviously you had um, success kind of, I think, leading up to that Olympics. Uh, you were the first female javelin thrower to win. You had a um, NCAA title. Texas A&M, <laughs> baby. Gig em. Texas Gig A&M. Em. That's right. You, okay. Come you on. were at Nebraska. I get mixed up. Nebraska, Texas. I know, I know. So, so, um, so were you, you know, when you were at Texas A&M, <laughs> were you thinking like, you know, um, you know, I'm going to go to the Olympics, all this kind of stuff. Or was when you, when you kind of were at these schools and, and, and doing track and you were running track, I think at one point. So yeah. were you thinking, you know, the Olympics, was that even on your radar as a, as a 20 year old or. No, I mean, I didn't know what the javelin was until I was 19. <laughs> so, <laughs> you know, my goal. So I did go to the university of Nebraska first. I was recruited right. there as a heptathlete. So yes, that was the running part. And I, Ooh, do not miss that. Let me tell you. Um, <laughs> but, uh, but the javelin was a part of it. So I learned javelin through being an, a heptathlete, uh, and had success with that obviously. And, and from that point transitioned to, to javelin. And so when I went to Texas A&M, uh, yes, I had had the success, but I really didn't know what to expect. Um, my goal going into college was that I could maybe be an all American at one point, you know, that was my goal was maybe I can be a first team all American and God had a different <laughs> path for me, hundred percent. And so going into that 2016 season, you know, my expectations were very low because I had had such a bad season the year before, but my coach Chico, uh, Juan de la Garza, one of my favorite people in the world, he, uh, is a, is a coach that, People call him the javelin whisperer, um, <laughs> but he <laughs> makes you believe in yourself more than like, even when you're like, gosh, I don't know if I can do this. Like, I just, you know, I don't think that that's in the cards for me. He makes you believe that you can do it or at least try. And that season was so successful. And I, again, attribute all of it to Christ and, and um, the path that he wanted me on. Um, and then even after through the hard times, you know, I was meant to be on that. Uh, but yeah, the Olympics, not on the radar at all. Um, it was a blessing and I'm thankful for that experience because I've learned a lot um, and how to adjust for this year. And you, you know, um, you know, I'm sure, you know, young women, I've reached out to you and follow you on yeah. Instagram and all that kind of stuff. So mm -hmm. how important is that for you to be, you know, a role model for them and to show that like, Hey, it's okay to be strong. It's okay to be, yeah. you know, a successful female athlete and, and, a, and yeah. um, also a, a successful, you know, full-time employee. How yeah. important is that for you? It's very important. Um, my mom taught me that early on. She was my track coach and my coach in a lot of areas. And so she, created a culture that built strong women. And I want to continue to carry that legacy and teach young women and show young women, you know, that it, yes, it's hard, 
yes, it's not going to be easy. And there's a lot of struggles that come with it. But that, you know, through perseverance, like we talked about earlier, uh, you create endurance and endurance produces character and, and so on and so forth. And I think that um, I think that that is a platform that I didn't think that I would have in my life, but I want and I want to be a mentor and I want to be able to just continue to pour into the, the young women and teach them and answer questions and, and be somebody who can just offer assistance and even just encouragement if that's what's needed. Absolutely. I know we've got about five minutes left. You've been generous with yeah. your time. Two more quick questions. Yeah. Um, one, you know, I, I imagine, you know, I would be nervous going in, like you're getting ready to leave for Tokyo and <laughs> eat at this level. And, and obviously after what happened in 2016. So how do you deal with those nerves? I mean, do you, do you mm -hmm. embrace them or do you, I mean, because I mean, I'm sure it's, it's scary as all get out. You're out there in front of people you've worked for years leading up to this. Yeah. Yeah, there's always going to be nerves, you know, even when I was at, you know, Jab Fest, that's like a smaller meet, you know, there's nerves there. Um, so, you know, again, working with my mental coach, it's, it's acknowledging that it's there and it's okay that it's there. And um, also knowing that like that feeling that you get is the same physiological feeling of excitement and of uh, adrenaline. So you can even harness that to your advantage. Um, so obviously there's going to be nerves. So I do a lot of breath work. I do a lot of just like rec recognition and um, a lot of prayer as well. And, and I think through that work, it helps regulate a lot of things. And not to say that I'm not going to feel them at the Olympics because, you know, fans, no fans, they're going to be there. Uh, and so I just want to go into it, be as relaxed and, and, you know, just see, okay, God, like, we'll see what you got today. I, I'm going to do what I can and <laughs> we'll see what you do. <laughs> Exactly. And and speaking of that, you know, I, I've heard you, um, I've seen you in previous interviews say that your identity is not as a javelin thrower, a, as yeah. an Olympic athlete, your identity is in Christ. So, yes. you know, um, how do you, how does that, I uh, guess, um, you know, how does that prove out in your life in terms of when you're out yeah. there in Tokyo for the next few days, weeks? Um, how does that, how does that look? Yeah. So for me, it is, um, I am thankful for the, exp the, the opportunity to be a javelin thrower and to be, you know, an Olympic athlete. But yeah, for me, what it looks like is having conversations about Christ and still being Maggie and Maggie is playing cards and Maggie is watching reality TV shows that are crappy. <laughs> and like, you know, just like being a normal person. And, um, and, and when I have conversations with people, pointing back to who God is, because it is not about me. It is not about my accomplishments. It is not about the glory of what I have done, but it is what he has done. And I want that to be my message over and over again, that it is not mine. It's not, I don't, it's not me. Like if it were me, I would, you know, I'm, I've screwed this up time and time again, but God has proven to be faithful. And, um, and so, yeah, for me, I want to live that out daily. Um, through prayer, through friendships, through um, just conversations. I think that's the easiest way to explain it. Yeah. Well, Maggie, um, thank you so much for your time. I appreciate it from Birmingham and, yeah. and we wish you all the best and, and uh, we will be rooting you on watching you at Thanks. the Olympics. And so, uh, and that'll start in, uh, in early next month. It's hard to believe it's already. Yeah. I know. Yeah. August 3rd, August 6th, I'll take all the prayers. So I appreciate you and appreciate the time today, Jason. Thank you. All right. Thank you so much. Well, I'd like to welcome uh, Curtis Thompson to the podcast. Thank you so much, uh, Curtis, for joining us from your uh, your hometown, I guess, originally where you grew up in uh, New Jersey, right? 
Yep. Florence, New Jersey. All right. Great. Great. Well, uh, I know you've been living in Birmingham and training in uh, the, uh, the hot, humid um, Alabama area. So uh, first of all, tell me about, uh, you know, you got that call uh, just a few weeks ago that you made the Olympic team. You know, what was that like uh, to getting that phone call? And and I'm, I'm sure you were nervous, even though you kind of did, you know, a great throw. Yeah, um, you know, the nerves was always was there, especially after throwing that big throw at uh, trials. But uh, I was sitting at a good spot in the world rankings and um, it was almost like a, a 98 percent sure. So the two percent I was very, very worried about just hoping and just wait until I got that call. And then once I got the call, it was just, you know, a relief and, uh, you know, just the first thing that clicked in my head was, all right, let's let's keep it going. We got some work to do. Yeah. And uh, so when do you, you leave for Tokyo uh, later this week or pretty soon? So I'll leave next Thursday. So the 29th um, and I'll get out there. Gotcha. So uh, any expectations going in, in terms of, you know, uh, you know, do you want to win, you know, silver, gold, bronze, or just, you know, throw better than you've thrown before? Yeah. The plan is definitely go out there and throw far and, uh, you know, try to get a medal to bring back home for the U S and, um, you know, just take care of business uh, each day at a time when you get out there. So, you know, the preparation is, you know, it's already been happening and, uh, you know, just continuing and executing every day. And, you know, um, when people think about the javelin, it's not something that maybe, you know, when you're like a young kid, hey, I want to throw the javelin when I get older, that kind of thing. But tell me about how you got into that sport. Were you were you doing something else? And when you were younger, maybe high school or college, and then you kind of you know, were persuaded to, Hey, I'm going to go try throwing this javelin. <laughs> so I started throwing javelin my freshman year of high school and, uh, football was my main passion, my main sport. And, um, I, I decided to sign up and do track and field, just get faster for football. And, uh, one day I didn't want to run, walked over to the throws coach, Mr. Roberson at Florence township. And, uh, I said, Hey, I want to throw the stick thingy. And he said, well, this is a javelin. And uh, he done took me off side and said all right you know showed me how to throw it and I threw it and he said all right join the group and I kind of just I made it to the meet of champs the state championship meet as a freshman I think I was the only freshman there and uh kind of just kicked off from there and just became another passion of mine wow so um so the fact that you didn't like or want to run helps you in this case right yes yes I it was I don't know what it was about that day but I just did not want to run that day so Decided to pick up some throwing implements and, you know, kind of kicked off from there. Now I still run, but I kind of enjoy running a little bit more now, but I still <laughs> enjoy throwing way better. <laughs> so was your football career kind of, you know, over at that point or you played all through high school as well? So I played football all the way till through my junior year. We uh, won the state championship my junior year. And then I decided to focus solely on uh javelin and, wow. uh, and obtained a scholarship to Mississippi State and was there for the next five years, six years. Wow. So, you know, uh, you're talking about how you do, you know, running and cardio. So what does your training look like for the javelin? Because obviously people say, well, you're throwing that stick thing, uh, you know, down the field as far as you can. Um, so what, what, what goes into like, what do you want to look like or what do you want to get to in terms of cardio and, and weights, that kind of thing? Yeah, just uh, I have a, a strength conditioning coach justice and he uh he kind of writes out my program for my lifting and everything and you know running is just as important as uh just throwing so you know 
the weights are a lot of explosive stuff, especially now in the time of the season that we are. And just having the body be ready and prepared to throw as far as you can um, getting into the games. Now, uh, you know, uh, being at Mississippi State for all those years and then training now in Birmingham, you know, uh, it's, it's a different climate than New Jersey where you're at now. A little warmer, a lot more humid. Uh, do you think that that helps you in terms of out, you know, you're outside and training and throwing this javelin and running that kind of thing? Yeah. And when I, when I went down South for school and kind of stayed down South, it allowed me to get outside earlier to, uh, you know, for training and practice, um, you know, up North gets very cold and stays cold for a good amount of time. And, you know, you have to be indoors for when it's too cold to be practicing outside. So, um, just the ability to be practicing outside in Birmingham or Mississippi where I was, um, in the middle of, you know, November, you know, it's a little bit of December, you go inside, but, uh, but to have the ability to go outside when it's, you know, warmer, um, it's actually been pretty beneficial. Yeah. And, uh, you know, obviously, you know, with sports, it's physical, but it's also so much more mental. It can be spiritual as well. Uh, tell me about for you, you know, family and faith and, and all on that aspect of it, kind of away from the field, how important is that in terms of what you do, you know, leading up to the Olympics and, and what's going to happen in Tokyo? Yeah. Um, you know, talking to family as much as possible, friends and, and, uh, you know, even some of the fans just, uh, feeling the love and support from, you know, everywhere is, uh, kind of gets your mind off of, you know, just seeing, you know, just javelin or just the sport that you're in. And, uh, and also, you know, being able to, you know, inspire even the younger athletes or anybody, you know, it's a, it's a great feeling to have and, um, kind of makes, you know, those tough days of practice, you know, even more worth it to get through it, um, outside of the overall end goal of, you know, capturing a medal at, at the Olympics. Yeah. And you're a, you're still a very young man, what, 25 years old, if I'm right. Um, and so, you know, uh, what do you hope and do you hope that, you know, um, you know, other, other guys, maybe they're in high school and on the track and field team, like you, you were, um, do you hope that you're able to inspire them? And, and, uh, because, you know, you've moved up the ranks and, and, uh, and like you said, kind of, you were brand new to this sport when you, you know, were probably what, 15, 16 years old. Yeah. Um, you know, to, to be able to kind of show them that you know, anything's possible. You just have to put the work and the time into it. And, uh, you know, with javelin, it's one of those, as much as you put into it and, you know, the kind of energy, like the positive energy that you put into it, you know, you'll receive that, that back and it might not be, you know, right away. Um, there is a process and you, you kind of have to trust the process with, uh, not just sports, but life in general, um, that, you know, and the process is up and down. So you got to take the highs and lows the same way, but you just, you know, keep working at it and, you know, you'll, you'll achieve whatever goal it is that you want. Yeah. It's a lesson well-learned. And speaking of that process back when, you know, in 2016, you were probably what, 20 years old or, or something to that effect. And, and uh, you just missed out on the Olympics in Rio. Uh, was that really for you, you know, you were younger and still maturing, you know, was it, was it a lot of hurt? Did it, did it fuel the fire even more for, for, for you, Curtis? Well, um, that 2016 meet, I was at that time, one of the best meets I've ever had. Um, it was actually my best throw ever at that mm. time. So, uh, 
it, it was hard to walk away upset or mad about that meet. Um, the fact that I didn't make it, um, yeah, I was, it was a little, it was a little, uh, hard to swallow, but the idea of, you know, you had to have the standard to go, um, that just made, that just means like, you kind of have to cross every T that and, and dot every I that you have, you know, going through the process. So like, even with this year, it was just every opportunity that you're given, you want to capitalize on it. Right. Um, do you have like, you know, uh, some people, you know, they, they're really focused on expectations. Some people don't want to have it at all. You know, you have, you know, you're, you had that winning javelin throw recently of um, 82.78. I think if I got that right, uh, that's, mm-hmm. that's t- taking you to Tokyo. So do you have like a goal in mind, a number, you don't have to give it to me, <laughs> but uh, do you have like, okay, I want to do this uh, in Tokyo and that could, you know, get me you know pretty high up there. Yeah. Um, no number in general, just uh, go out there and throw further than I've, did at you know trials and really it's just competing um you know the 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 first step was getting there and you know I finally finished that first step and now it's you know competing with you know the best in the world um you know you have top 32 in the world for this year competing on one of the highest levels you know possible so you know the fact that I'm in there and I'm one of those 32 it's just it's really just go out there have some fun enjoy the experience and just throw far and that's it now you've been doing throwing the javelin now uh, for you know almost a decade. So I mean, do you still like, especially w- with this stage? Like you said, this is the world stage. Millions and millions of people will be watching. Do you get nervous when you get up there and you got the javelin in your hand and you're about to throw, or, or is it something with, that you've got kind of a, a comfort and, and a confidence that uh, you you don't get as nervous anymore? Yeah, the, the nerves are the normal nerves, um, but it's more along the lines of excitement. Um, you know, we've, we've been on, you know, big stages before I've been on big stages before I've worn USA on my chest before. And it's really just the way I look at it. It's just another meet that, you know, we have to go out there and execute and have fun with. Um, so, you know, the nerves aren't something that kind of hinders or getting away or anything. It kind of, like I said, it's just excitement. Yeah. And you, unfortunately, we're hearing about, you know, more and more athletes around the world, some on Team USA that are, you know, testing positive for COVID. And that's creating a, a kind of a cloud um, over things. Um, so for you, is, is there concern there in terms of this could affect these games or, or my event or something like that? Yeah, um, definitely. Uh, would definitely say, you know, we've got to practice, you know, social distancing, wearing a mask and, um, you know, just doing our best to, to – uh, basically stay COVID free. Um, and you know, it's the fact that, you know, some people are testing positive, um, kind of shows that, uh, how important it is to follow those, those guidelines. And, uh, you know, the Olympics seem like one of the safest places to go since they have so many protocols that kind of have to go through to even get there into the country and, you know, stay there. Now you're staying with your family now in New Jersey. So, I mean, how excited are they? I mean, are they just bubbling with joy? And they're like, they're like, our Curtis is going to Tokyo and he's going to compete in the Olympics, the big USA on his chest. You know, uh, how, how, how pumped are they? Yeah, they're very pumped. My family, my parents and my brother and, you know, all, all the family around and friends and neighbors and even this town. Um, you know, we had a, a parade that they, you know, allowed me to be a part of. And uh, it's just an honor to see so many people that are, 
showing the support and love. And, um, you know, my, my folks and my family are kind of just like, they're kind of on the same page as me. It's like, you know, first step done. Now we get out there and let's, you know, let's make it happen. That's right. Yeah. We're not done yet. This is just the beginning. Uh, right? yeah. <laughs> exactly. So, and now what are you looking forward to most at the Olympics? I mean, obviously you want to compete and you want to win, but anything in particular that you're looking forward to going to Tokyo? Because I mean, you know, you want to take in the whole experience as well, right? Yeah, I'm excited to get out there and, you know, see a new culture. Um, I've never been to Japan before. And uh, even with not being able to actually, you know, uh, tour and, and roam around the, uh, the actual country or town, um, uh, we'll still have a two hour ride from the airport to the village. So I'll still be a good, I'll still get to see two hours worth of uh, some of the country. And uh, I'm just really excited to see a new culture. And, um, you know, see some, uh, just, you know, just soak up all the, the, the experiences I can. Yeah. And what would you say to folks, you know, maybe that are listening, <clears throat> they could be a parent or they could be a, you know, a young athlete and, and aspiring to do something it could be the javelin or, or basketball or, or anything else really. Uh, what would you say to them in terms of, you know, um, for you, maybe you didn't picture yourself here 10 years ago. Um, and in terms of, you know, telling them to kind of reach for their dreams, because I'm sure for you, this is just the height of things. Yeah. Um, definitely say, you know, dream big. Um, don't, don't limit your dream just because of, you know, anybody or anything, just know that, you know, the sky's the limit and, uh, uh, you know, there's, there's steps to each, each big dream, each big goal. And, uh, you know, each, each small step that you accomplish is, is, uh, you know, one step closer to that big dream. Um, and that's kind of how I've pictured every single step of my career so far leading up to this. And, you know, it just continues from there. You know, the, the goal was to make it to Olympics. Now the goal changes and now it's, you know, perform well. And then from there, it'll, you know, it'll just continue to change after trying to achieve every single one. Yeah. Now, obviously, the focus on the next few weeks or the next month is on, on the javelin, throwing it well in Tokyo and having that whole experience. But in terms of what's next for you, I mean, is this something that, you know, obviously you can't throw the javelin as a as a 40 year career, perhaps. <laughs> Maybe you can. Uh, but uh, what, what's what's next for you in terms of what's your future? Any things related to athletics or something else? Yeah, right now I, uh, I substitute at Spain Park. Um, high school in Alabama, and I also uh, coach the throwers there. So it's a possibility of be teaching with using my uh, math degree from Mississippi State, and it's either going to be teaching and uh, coaching. But who knows? We'll see when that time comes. You know, I kind of plan on throwing this javelin as long as I, I possibly can. Yeah, and and what it's like? What is it like for you? I mean, you, these these are you know uh, young men and women that are in the same position you were you know, a decade ago, the teenagers. And so what's it like, you know, for them to have now an Olympian that's their, you know, assistant coach and their coach out there. I mean, I'm sure they're, they're psyched, but for you, you get to kind of really help mold them as well. I think uh, the, the ability to kind of show just from what I've been doing and what I've done, um, how far, you know, this event or, you know, just life in general can take you. Um is exciting. You know, not many people can say that they've seen a, met an Olympian or been around an Olympian or been coached by an Olympian. 
And uh, for me to be able to give that back to even younger athletes or anybody that I come in contact with, students as well, um, it's just a great feeling. Um, and that's kind of one of the things that I'm kind of enjoying the most right now is being that person that could, that they can say, oh, I met an Olympian or I got to talk to an Olympian or I messaged an Olympian online and he messaged, replied back. And I just enjoy those things. Yeah. Well, I know Spain Park High is in, in Hoover near Birmingham. I'm sure the team will all gather around and watch uh, in early August as you're throwing the javelin. Um, and uh, so I'm sure they're excited about that in your hometown of uh, New Jersey and Mississippi. So you got a lot of groups of folks that are going to be uh, really glued to the television watching you, right? Yeah, it's great to have so many uh, groups of you know people that I'm representing out there and uh, you know, just want to be able to you know make them all proud and represent them well. Yeah, well, we're looking forward to it. We're rooting you on, Curtis, and wish you the uh, the very best, safe uh, travels to to Tokyo and uh, and uh, go Team USA. Yeah, thank you so much. And looking forward to uh, following both of them in the Olympics, uh, Curtis and Maggie, wishing them all the best. And, uh, you know, it's real interesting because, obviously, this is the 2021 Olympics. And, you know, uh, it was supposed to be 2020. COVID-19 pandemic uh, interrupted that. So, you know, they had to mentally, physically retrain, focus, all that kind of thing, and wait a whole year for these Olympics. And uh, so it's going to be a special time and uh, good for, for them to, to focus on the fitness, but also the faith aspect aspect of it. What Maggie was saying was just really inspirational. Uh, hopefully, uh, you know, she can really you know, spread uh, God's word all across, uh, uh, you know, the world because of what she's doing. Uh, back to our final segments of the podcast. You heard earlier my humming of the Olympic theme. Well, here's a little more information about it. You know, you heard me uh, kind of hum it earlier, and uh, you hear it on TV a lot, especially will the next few weeks, the Olympic anthem. Now, starting back in 1968, ABC, you know, was airing the Olympics theme song and open every telecast. Uh, you know, the huge solo and the trumpet and bass. And uh, it was, uh, you know, originally composed in 1958 by French-American composer Leo Ornaud for his piece Bugler's Dream. And so that was the soundtrack for the Olympics in America for, you know, for 16 years. And then came along another iconic work associated with the Olympics composed by the one and only John Williams. He was commissioned to write Olympic fanfare and theme. And, uh, you know, that was part of the 1984 Summer Olympics held in Los Angeles. And then it was in the 1996 Olympic Games in Atlanta, the next ones hosted in the USA, where NBC put the two pieces together. What's now known as the famous Olympic theme. It starts with Bugler's Dream and then goes into the Olympic fanfare and theme by John Williams. So, so looking forward to you know to kind of get you buzzed and ready for the the Olympics and uh, all the all the fanfare there. And now our uh, other segment uh, of this podcast we like to do is the parting gift this one uh related to the olympics as well and athletes and, and prayer um it is a verse from philippians four thirteen from the bible that says i can do all things through christ who strengthens me 
And what's interesting, you know, we talk about Olympics and, and gymnasts. Well, uh, retired Olympic gymnast Dominique Dawes recently revealed this was that that verse was part of the prayer that she typically had in her head before entering any kind of uh, tough competition. And uh, she said, you know, she was a gold medalist that competed in '92, '96, and 2000 Olympic Games. She said that, you know, her Christian faith always played a major role in her preparation. She said, quote, I would say for myself, I always relied on my faith. I always had a prayer in my head. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. She hopes that, you know, influences other young girls. Another gymnast, Jake Dalton, actually had that Philippians 4.13 tattooed on his left side before going to the 2012 Olympic Games. Another gymnast, Gabby Douglas, also kind of talks about that verse and saying uh, it's uh, she's empowered by that scripture. And we hope you are as well because, you know, we all go through tough times. We, you know, if we try to do it by our own strength, like Maggie Malone was talking about, that we're going to fail. But, you know, by his strength, uh, we, you know, we are healed, but also we can do all things. Uh, Christ strengthens us. We have that power of the Holy Spirit. So uh, we hopefully will use that and use that for good. Now, closing in prayer, dear Lord Jesus, just thank you, God, for uh, for just giving us the talents and gifts you give us, whether it be athletic or in our profession or with our family. And, God, that we can just um, use those um, for your glory, not for ours. And, uh, Jesus, that you would just help us um, and, and as we, as we you know, go through the month of July and the rest of this year, God, that we are kind to each other. But, God, that we are just, uh, we speak life to each other. And, uh, God, that we can just uh, promote uh, healing um, and your strength uh, as we go through, you know, maybe some tough times personally and as a nation as well. And uh, we just thank you. And as we can celebrate uh, the, the gifts that you've given us as we watch these Olympics uh, in the coming weeks. You name me pray. Amen. Again, thank you so much for joining us. Run the Race, you can find it uh, pretty much on a, on a weekly basis. Uh, last week we had a, uh, a great episode uh, where we had um, you know a, a gentleman that I met at a, a recent marathon. Uh, he is trying to run 50 marathons in 50 states in 50 weeks this year, raising uh, hopefully thousands of dollars for St. Jude. And uh, he uh, also went through a shooting. He was shot a couple of times at a workplace years ago as well. So he's come back from that. And uh, we're going to have some uh, some actually musicians and other folks on in the coming weeks talking about faith and fitness. So we hope you continue to tune in and uh, let your friends and family and everybody else know. Hashtag run the race. And uh, we'll keep running. We'll see you next time.